So we truly believe is in it's of course good what we are doing and our priority as well within SumUp, for example, in the, my case now. And we have a responsibility and a great opportunity to focus on our future pool of talents. And whether then they work for SumUp or not doesn't really matter, right? But we want to give back to communities and help them thrive and give them an opportunity. Often it's just about getting a chance or an option or not, right? In, mm -hmm. in whether you can succeed in life. Hi everyone, welcome back to the All Inclusive Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Felicitas Lichtenberg, Global Head of Diversity and Inclusion, Wellbeing and ESG at SumUp. In the episode, Felicitas shares her invaluable insights on how SumUp is pioneering an integrated approach to DEI within its ESG framework, impacting not just the workplace, but communities globally. She also delves into practical strategies for implementing effective DEI initiatives and together we explore the challenges of remote work and inclusivity. Additionally, we discuss the power of individual actions in creating a more inclusive environment. As always, before jumping into the video, make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn on your notification bell and follow on your favourite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. That being said, let's jump in. Hi Felicitas. Hi Natasha, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, thank you. So good to be here with you today. Yes, yeah, same, same. Thank you so much for joining me. So let's kick things off. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you became involved in DE&I leadership. Sure. So, um, yeah, I'm Felicitas. I'm the Global Head of Diversity Inclusion at SumUp and also work on the topics of sustainability and mental health, uh, which is getting more and more important. Um, and about myself, I was born and raised in uh, Germany. Uh, however, I'm mixed race. My father was Indonesian Chinese. Um, and when I was six, he moved back to Indonesia. Um, and yeah, so I, I always had this intercultural um yeah upbringing let's say right uh, uh, w w present when I was growing up um, and then I lived in different countries so I lived in the states in France England and of course Germany so wherever I was I felt the topic of diversity inclusion very present and uh, the you know um yeah, topics of having stereotypes, right? How I'm perceived, uh, how, how others perceive me, how I perceive others. And so um, so this was quite present. And then um, I studied communication, media, culture, um, leisure planning, as well as European business. And there was always something in me that uh, told me already. I mean, back then, like 20 years ago, the role of DNI didn't really exist, right? But there was always something in me that wanted to work on helping cultures communicate helping to um, yeah, increase the understanding of each other um, so I became when I then started off as commercial marketing manager and before that IT consultant I then became intercultural business trainer organizational change manager and um, did um, systemic transaction analysis it's a bit complicated the word but it's psychology <laughs> yeah. basically and um, before I then entered the DNI world Oh, lovely. No, that, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that a bit about yourself. Um, so you say you work in DEI as well as mental health and also um, sustainability. So I know ESG has kind of gained some significant traction over the recent years. Um, how do you think a focus on, on ESG, so environmental, social and governance, kind of affect mm -hmm. or link to DEI? Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, besides the environment, which is probably all very clear to all of us, right? Why it's important and our responsibility as well to take action. Um, we focus particularly on the social aspect. So what we do there is, for example, in Latin America, so Brazil, Chile, Colombia, uh, we collaborated with an NGO um, and we focused on uh, Java tech education for unemployed youth, minoritized groups. And that's where the link, let's say, gets in, right? So we focus on at least 60, 70% girls. Um, and then depending on the country, we look at either um, the focus, have a focus of immigrants. We focus on Black or Pardo in Brazil, for example. Um, and of course, are always inclusive, include exclusive to LGBTQ+, people with different abilities and so on. So, you know, I mean, it's a small drop, let's say, right? But we do want to focus on um, giving, yeah, especially people from minoritized groups in those respective areas, the chance to get an education, tech education, and then 80% of those will find employment. So um, we have covered a... Um, something 150 people or so so far there and what we do in India for example is we collaborate with an organization called Dharma Life and we focus on tech education as well so we finance a tech platform and uh, we have reached over 8,000 kids so far in rural India and our ambition is now 10,000 kids per year um, but we also then focus on an entrepreneurship program in India there where we want to create and empower female entrepreneurs especially um, in those uh, in rural India to um, yeah sustain right uh, um, make money for for themselves and their family with sustainable products as well. So we truly believe is in it's of course good what we are doing and our priority as well within sum up for example in the, my case now and we have a responsibility and a great opportunity to focus on our future pool of talents and whether then they work for sum up or not doesn't really matter right but we want to give back to communities and help them thrive and give them an opportunity often it's just about getting a chance or an option or not right in, mm. in whether you can succeed in life yeah no I it sounds fantastic and it sounds like a lot as well though at the same time which is it's great but for other organizations that are out there that are kind of wanting to do more within their social aspect for their ESG they 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 they're hearing you with the programs initiatives how can they effectively put these together what have you learned has worked well that's a very good question so um i need to think about it for a moment but yeah, i think bottom line i would say you know i often hear this right people they say we want to get engaged or involved but then we don't have people to do that or it's too much or and so on so i would maybe merge those two things you know looking at your own company organization and the social or environmental aspects i think the one thing is everybody can start right so and you do, don't need necessarily resources to do it um it's about inc creating an inclusive environment and we can all do that it costs nothing right it's just cost um let's say being genuine uh, and, and just for example asking how you're doing and trying to create empathy or have empathy about different life models right uh, challenging our judgments our own biases our own upbringing because you know often the way we are brought up impacts the way we evaluate others right to say whether they are okay or not okay or you know whether we think we are better than them or they are better than us and so on and so forth so i think that is the number one it doesn't cost much right to be genuine and kind um to one another and to yeah, challenge our uh thinking our biases because we are all biased of course um, and that's the, the number one, I think. And then encouraging others to also educate themselves on different topics, often unspoken, right? 
Um, so we speak about, for example, topics of neurodiversity, autism, HDHD, domestic violence and abuse, LGBTQ+, with a focus on transgender, for example, right? So we want to cover everything, including also mental health, to speak about the unspoken and create a safe environment for, for people to share what they need, because we all go through ups and downs in our lives, right? And uh, it's it's uh, about, you know, yeah, being trusted and being empowered if I need a day off or so, you know, or if I have something I, I struggle with, it's okay to feel not okay, right? And to take the time that uh, we need um, because then only if we recover, we can be fully, you know, performance performing again and so on and um, loyal to the organization and, and re we can retain the people. But looking at them, the social side, I think the challenge here is there are so many organizations, so many initiatives. Um, and I personally really, it's my learning journey as well. And I'm still yeah. learning, uh, of course, but it's like how we can find the right organizations in terms of right meaning where the money really goes into the the cause, right? And um, where there is maybe a limited, for example, fee for the administration, even though, of course, we all know everybody needs probably some um, administrative work, right? And we also need to pay for it. Um, but that's, I think, the biggest challenge. But it, then what I've done is when I started um, and looked in my network, who do I trust also, right? Yeah. And that's, again, also a little bit biased, of course, uh, um, and then what are they doing, right? What are maybe bigger organizations doing or smaller? You know, so I spoke a lot to people to say what works well, what doesn't work well, what are your experiences? And then, of course, piloted myself, right? So I started with, you know, um, the the generation organization, for example, with one pilot in Brazil, and, and then we loved it, right? So um, the collaboration went very well. So we rolled it out in Brazil, Chile, Colombia this year. So um yeah, and, and I think then that's something rather focus on a few ones, but then, you know, really you can build um, a trusted environment or um, collaboration and then you scale it up. Sometimes you don't need hundreds of initiatives, rather a few, and then you can uh, double down on these and focus on them. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think it's it's important, one, to, to do some research, like use the networking community that you've got around you, ask those questions, what's worked for them, what hasn't, as you said, and then just start small. But at least start something, right? Like you said, you can just take some form of action and then exactly. review it exactly. and see where you're at. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it can also, I mean, and, and we're speaking about every one of us, right? So we also don't need to wait for an organization to do it, right? We can do it mm -hmm. ourselves in our leisure time, maybe, um, and, 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 you know, start small. Um, but with yeah, giving back, I, th I think, and I can also do better in this, right? So um, I, I think sometimes we're waiting for something to happen, but we can all take action already. I love that. I think it's it's good that as individuals, we kind of look at it from the perspective of, of me as one person, like what can I do? As well as looking at from a perspective of, of an organisation, what they what can we do as well? Um, that's great to hear. Um, one thing that I wanted to hear from you is, I mean, many organisations are grappling with the kind of return to work, having some of their workforce remote. Then now that COVID is kind of, now we're starting to get back into the rhythm of things back to normal how would you say returning employees back when when you're kind of bringing people back in how can you still or when they are working remotely there is sometimes that feeling of the inclusive piece how do you bring the organizational culture to life when people aren't actually face to face anymore <laughs> Natasha, that's a very uh, hot topic at the moment everywhere, right? So uh, great that you bring this up here. And it is indeed a challenge, right? So 
um, where can I start with this? <laughs> but basically, it, it is it, it both matters, right? It matters, and it is inclusive um, to allow people to have maybe flexibility in their uh, working life, right? Um, and some also, depending on your current situation, um, you know, for example, some people that for you know either with a family or you know that are neurodiverse prefer either to stay at home, to come to the office, but also even, you know, sometimes I feel like we always focus on people then with children or that are neurodiverse, but also, you know, an a single person, right, that has no commitment, can prefer, right, uh, to, to work from home or the office. So everybody, I think the challenge here is, is one, everybody has their own needs, right, and preferences, no matter what. And, um, and we need to allow some uh, kind of flexibility there. Um, and indeed, also looking at inclusion, often what we uh, find is we can build stronger connections often. I mean, there are always exceptions, right? But it's a difference if I go to, you know, um, uh, to, to the kitchen and, you know, here, get a coffee, right? And uh, next to me is a colleague they haven't met or in, for a while and we have a chat. So we can do, you know, we, we can create much uh, stronger personal connections, conveying the culture, you know, I mean, for us, it's we care, team first and founders mentality, right? And you can actually really experience it when you are here in the office, how people live the culture, you can feel it. I mean, I, I personally can feel it. And I think that's super important for new joiners also to feel it. Um, of course, then if you have been with, the, you know, for, for the organization for a long time, and you know, you, you know, the culture, maybe, uh, the, the need is not so so big anymore. And of course, if people are hired completely remote, right, it's also a different uh, story. And then the agreement has been there before, but we do uh, see the need of balancing it out. Um, one is to allow the flexibility for our summer pass, um, because we, we see also the great value in this. And we also see the value in being here as a team, right, and um, checking in, because also virtually, right, if, uh, if I say, how are you, Natasha, today? And you say, yeah, great, but if, if I actually spend time with you face to face, I can see maybe see more, right? And um, maybe we can build a trusting relationship better uh, in person than uh, on Zoom. And also, um, I interviewed a few people around this actually back then. And they said, for example, people from the LGBTQ plus community, right? Uh, uh, sometimes it's not easy for, uh, for, for one to see whether the person is an ally or not, right? And, and they know, I mean, in, in working in the work environment, sometimes they need to out themselves every day to multiple people, right? Um, and they're not sure are they safe or not. So they feel sometimes insecure and ang anxious, which I completely, you know, can, I mean, I don't fully understand uh, because I don't, I, I'm not part of the community, but I can ha have empathy for that um, uh, around not showing, you know, whether, not knowing whether you're safe or not. Um, but then, you know, of course, it's, it's easier than if I have, for example, this lanyard and I see it, right, with, with yeah. a co colleague um, or virtually you see nothing, right? So sometimes, yeah, they're, they're, it's very complex uh, a topic and, yeah, many things to consider. But yeah, we, we truly believe in the power of um, both. I agree. I think there needs to be some sort of like a hybrid with working in the office and at home as well. And flexibility, I think, is key. So you've shared a few bits of kind of we've sum up this is what what you guys are trying so in in putting that together and putting the strategy together um, and forming the the policy that you have what was for you the most challenging in doing that did you face any sort of pushback from colleagues and how did you overcome that mm -hmm. So first, I mean, how, how uh, have I done it, right? So when I started about three years now, unbelievable, uh, years ago, 
Um, I spent a lot of time with our Samapa, so I listened a lot to their needs. I did focus groups, I did, you know, one-on-ones. Um, I spoke, you know, not to, to everybody, including also the leadership team and so on, but especially with the networks, you know, our, our Samapa. So to understand what, what what's going well, what can we do better, especially our focus on what can we do better was, was uh, much stronger, of course. And then based on that, I created a strategy around it. Um, and um, I think there, there's one thing. You will never please everybody, right? <clears throat> and that's, I think, also a challenge uh, with um, people, I mean, like me, who have this driver, please others, right? I, I, then I only feel okay with myself, you know. Um, but this is, I think, something that uh, you you can, you need to know, right, uh, from the beginning. You will never be able to please uh, everybody. And it's also maybe sometimes not healthy, right? Sometimes also if you set boundaries, to, you gain actually also respect. And, um, you know, to focus also a little bit um, on the, uh, I would say, on the mass, Um and then, of course, also on on minoritized groups, right? Depending, depending. So uh, on, um, I mean, what the ambition is, but you will always have pushback. And then, you know, what I sometimes do is have a one-on-one conversations, um, uh, go into teams or into you know groups uh, where maybe the resistance is a little bit stronger, and then take time to explain why are we doing it. And also for the leaders, you, you probably all can relate to this, but we need to repeat over and over again, why does it matter uh, for the organization, for some of us, for individuals, for every one of us? Um, and why is that the case? Because, I mean, of course, we know that we want to attract and retain the best talents, and we can only do that if we remove our biases, right? And consider the whole pool of talents, the whole cake, let's say, not only one piece of it, uh, one dimension. And of course, only if uh, we are diverse, we truly believe that we can then only um, understand our merchants' needs much better. Can we come up better with products and services and solutions for our merchants and be much more successful, of course? And then if we sometimes look at the all dimensions, one, you know, for me, everybody, of course, belongs to uh, the DNI groups. But also then if, if, you, if someone doesn't feel impacted, then, you know, they will have relative friends who will be impacted and they might not even know it yet, right? But we know that about seven to 10% identifies LGBTQ+. We know that about 15% have a different abilities. Of course, you know, men, women, non-binary, about one to 2% identify as transgender, non-binary and so on. So, you know, it will be, we all will be impacted at some point, different age groups, right? Where the aging population, financial inclusion is gonna get more and more important, especially if we look at the future. Um, uh, and we all, you know, it's very likely that we also uh, uh, get at some point a dis disability. So, yeah, that, that's what we try to do. But luckily, really, at some, you know, there's great support. It's very empowering culture. Um, and we're about three, three and a half thousand people. And, um, yeah, the founders are still uh, in the company and they really um, fully trust and empower uh, my team and me to drive the things forward as we uh, believe it's, it's the right thing to do. Oh, fantastic. I, I think it's it's great that you've got the support of senior leadership. I think um, I speak to a number of leaders uh, like yourself that don't necessarily always have that. Um, and it can cause some barriers in order to progress and advance their DEI goals. Um, but I, I completely hear and agree with what you've said in terms of if you're getting pushback, just know that you're not always going to please everybody. So if you get pushback, try and address it as, as best as you can head on, have those open conversations um, and explain the why and what I think it's just it's so important because if you don't know why you're doing something, then what's the point in doing it? Right. And if 
it's a continuous conversation that needs to be had uh, we're on a journey here right exactly and sometimes i feel i mean why are people so resistant and there sometimes i try to catch them there right because maybe they also they fear their fear that their values are not appreciated and seen maybe their fear that their culture will be reduced at some point right or will be become less important um it, they feel also that they're you know that, that they're how they have been brought up their values their beliefs are disrupted because it doesn't you know align with you know the other side so i think there's really important to listen also to them and understand them right so, show some empathy um, and then try to take them take a bit the, te- the the fear that they have and um you know there's no risk right so sometimes you go, go in the defensive mechanism either we you know, defend um, or we freeze right or flee is our you know natural uh, uh behaviors because maybe we are we are afraid and uh that's i think we're afraid that yeah their values are challenged not you know um appreciated so i think sometimes also just being seen and recognized and then open having an open conversation around the different topics so we've talked about the pushback and what we can do to, to address that how about where you have senior leaders that are receptive are like agreeable yeah this sounds great but how do you engage them in order to get them to actually also push these initiatives forward because I mean it's a lot to do and it's a lot to do on one person and I do feel that there is a responsibility of us all to take on um take on some actions take steps for ourselves in order to promote and advance um DEI so how do you engage senior leadership to do to do that Mm -hmm. So um, one thing is that we do that, for example, if we host global diversity inclusion all hands um, and over about over a thousand people usually join these from our summer pass, our CEOs and founders, right? I mean, are they present and they, you know, have an active part. Um, they speak about also the unspoken, right? So for example, our CEO last time, um, he spoke also about people positivity. So if you know someone works with us, we trust them, right? And if if someone goes through a down, and you know needs support and time off, we you know we need to ensure that they feel empowered to do that to recover and then you know fully come back. And um, he spoke about miscarriage, for example, right? So that's also a very um, yeah sensitive topic. But to say, look, if you know if you experience this, please know that I know maybe officially the days are, I don't know two days or so, depending on the countries, of course, or the the policy regulations, but if you need more, take more, right? I mean, it's it's such a tremendous um, um, event that happened in your life. So, uh, you know, he, he just ensured everybody knows it. And he, he, we spoke about, again, mental health. Our co-founder also shares, you know, like has those talks with our summer pass and has the safe space to say, um, uh, to, to speak about different experiences on the mental health topics and so on. So that is the one thing. So they're actively engaged. They show vulnerability, right? Um, they... Um, have empathy with different people from different groups because they share their story, they listen to them. And what we also do is we have different active networks um, across SumUp. So those ERGs, what you call uh, often uh, resource groups, right? Employee resource groups, we call them networks. And then we have senior leadership, senior leaders that are the sponsors. So they regularly meet them, they listen to them. Um, and this also, right, this whole listening part uh, makes them also understand better and then being able then to take maybe challenge uh, you know, our, us as a company more um, about our yeah, 
recruitment initiatives or promotion, you know, uh, what the status there is and and our culture. So that's really helpful and beneficial for both parties, right? We're on the networks and also senior leaders because we can grow together. Um, and in some cases, um, yeah, we, we set up some mentoring, reverse mentoring, right? Um, where where it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it can be very powerful um, to listen to the experiences of different groups um, and then support them. And vice versa, right? It's it's always a two two side learning. Um, that's what we do here at Sum Up, and of course we can always do more. But uh, that's already with that for us. Yeah, no, it sounds like a great start. And um, having having them speak on such emotive and really quite powerful issues um, that most you find most senior leaders don't really reveal or, or would normally talk on, um, but it having it come from them shows how invested they are um in ensuring that everyone feels as though that they can bring their full selves to work and if they need more time that that you're open to that conversation and to hearing that they need to take some time away and accepting of that so i think that that sounds great and as always i i love ergs <laughs> um so i i think they're definitely an important resource for an organization to have um and if there is senior leadership involvement that's even better um so looking to the future what changes would you like to see or improvements would you like to see in the future for dei it's actually that's a good question and also a question that we have in our global dni network actually oh, great <laughs> so um i mean what are the changes i think one is and we have been talking for about dni for a long time right and if we're really honest i mean i think on the one hand side a lot has been done um and depending on the country that you're in of course right there are different status and so on but i, I do think we can, on the one hand side, be proud of our, you know, the progress that, you know, the, the um, everybody in the whole DNI area um, has done. I mean, I mentioned some topics we speak about, right? We speak about racism again, um, um, neurodiversity, LGBTQ plus, and so on and so forth. So we speak about it. We take action, and at the same time, numbers wise, I feel like little progress has been made, right? So, um, and also still, you know, looking at the representation of ethnic but different you know groups um lgbtq plus and so on so often still in leadership positions uh i i, I would love to see more you know diverse representation so i feel like on the one hand side the needle has moved on the other hand side it hasn't really moved and then looking at the happenings around the world we actually see almost um a movement back right so what i would like to see i think is uh, I mean, endurance and, and, and actually progress, right? So I think we need to um, bring everybody on board. I know that can be sometimes very draining and exhausting because people say, well, why should we, you know, again, educate and again, wait for people. But I do think that we do need to um, really ensure everybody, and again, not everybody will be able to join this uh, mission, right? And in, in our, our um, journey, but to, to bring on board as many people as possible. And what we can do there, I think one simple thing is speak to about diversity inclusion at home with your families and friends. What I experience often is, you know, within the organization, people, you know, like, you know, fight for it, which is great. I mean, please continue, continue to challenge. And uh, that's how we make progress as well. But then, you know, when I say, oh, you know, what happens at, at home, you know, no, no, we can't speak about it. But that's how we actually 
probably uh, reach the critical mass, right? To then bring it forward. And of course, always, you know, I'm conscious that don't, I mean, protect yourself as well, right? If, if you, it's like a, this mobile, I think you call it in English also mobile, the thing on you can put on, um, up on the wall. So if you, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it called? Oh, um, um, this thing that turns. Yeah, the, um, it's like the mobility yes, yes. thing. Oh my gosh, that's gonna really annoy me. I'm sorry. Uh, I hope the listeners will know. Um, yeah. But if you, you know, blow it and try to move it, and then sometimes changes, sometimes they go back, so, and then you know, to the old position. Sometimes it changes and then takes a new position. But sometimes you blow too hard and it uh, falls down and breaks. Right. So I think we always need to remember the systems that we work in and what we want, what is important to us. Of course, you know, it needs to be a protected um, setting. And, you know, if you can't speak to the families and friends about it, because, you know, sometimes maybe then, you know, you will not be part of it anymore and you want to be part of it, then please don't do it, right? Uh, but but I think you get my point, right? I, th I yeah. think we need to um, continue our journey and double down on our efforts internally, but also externally, help the communities, um, that's why you know I, I like uh, it. It's that we it somehow combine ESG with diversity, but help our communities um, also thrive. Think about the future, right? <clears throat> of future pipeline and just doing the right thing and have positive, you know, mindset, positive thinking, peaceful thinking, and and uh, wherever we can um, try to be kind to each other because I feel that there's so much hate and and uh, disrespect out there that I think that is a Number one, I think if we can, you know, work a little bit more towards a peaceful environment and an environment where we understand each other, respect each other, no matter which, you know, background, I think we would, uh, yeah, have achieved a lot. And I think, I mean, for me, it's the, I think it's the diversity, as you said, like there isn't, we're still, we're still not where, where I think we, we should be on ensuring that we are like all un like all underrepresented groups are represented <laughs> throughout all different types of industries and also at, at senior levels um but at the same time I do feel that the inclusion piece does kind of somewhat get overshadowed with the conversation of diversity um for me I think that inclusion should come first I feel as you've explained like I think that's one area where that's something that is can easily be done by everyone it's about mm -hmm. you showing love showing understanding and as you said just just being respectful and I feel that that comes with inclusion and if you can show that if you are able to be respectful of others then they'll no doubt feel comfortable and then they'll want to come to your place of organization or to be around you right um, so that's 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 one bit for me. I think. <laughs> no, hundred percent. I, I completely um, agree with you, Natasha. And that that is, it seems so easy, right? And so I know. Simple, but know. yet it seems, or it, apparently it's quite difficult. And I mean, there are of course the whole microaggressions that you know that play out. Then I mean, it can be non-verbal, verbal, but it can be eye-rolling, not including someone in the project because I don't know for some other and and, and reasons, interrupting people. Um, speaking of, you know, uh, on behalf of someone, right? And then I think that is that is um, the one thing. Um, and sometimes, you know, people are not aware of their actions, right? Or ego kicks in or even, you know, like um, unawareness. So it's super important uh, to, to to educate around that. And, and also I have imposed microaggressions and likely I will, and which is not great, right? So I need to 
be aware of uh, those and then change my behaviors because of course it doesn't in uh, create an inclusive environment and also we cannot forget or must not forget the experiences lived of the communities or different people right it can be no matter which color or backgrounds um, and it's more likely that minoritized groups potentially have experienced more microaggressions throughout their lives right um, but it's like <clears throat> sometimes I think you know pe people say oh yeah but this was just one joke or just one comment right but I myself experienced it actually where the power of microaggressions and then how hard it can hit you all of a sudden, right? Mm -hmm. And this was just like one, one, another comment. And it was not a big deal because, you know, it was among friends and it was another But then all of a sudden it's like, it's, it's the amount, right? Throughout, if something happens throughout your life, again and again and again, and at some point, you know, it's like with this glass, you know, which yeah. is getting full and then mm -hmm. all, um, spills over. <clears throat> and I think this also needs to be aware, right? People then say, oh, but well, just one, one comment or one, uh, this sh person shouldn't, you know, over uh, behave now or so. But it, it, actually, it can be so painful and hurtful because, yeah, someone has experienced it all throughout their lives, right? And um, and depending then on our, our um, yeah, mental health or state, how much we can take, and especially with the different pillars, right? So you have the family pillar, maybe uh, accommodation, you know, health. And if some of those pillars are shaking, then of course, we can be even more unstable and break even more easily, right? So that's something I think we can all change, right? We be aware of the jokes, we make the comments, um, our verbal and non-verbal uh, behavior. Yeah. Oh, well, Felicitas, I've, I've so much enjoyed our, our conversation today. Um, thanks so much for, for joining me. Uh, before we do part ways, I would love if you could give us one parting piece of advice for DEI leaders of tomorrow. Uh, probably it would be something about the resilience and endurance part. So hang in there, <laughs> yeah. uh, believe in yourself and also uh, look for some support, right? If needed. So um, don't forget yourself and your well-being and your mental health and maybe look for a mentor yourself, right? To, to guide you a little bit. Um, this maybe would be my advice. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's, that's great advice, Felicitas. And for <laughs> anyone who is listening, if they want to connect with you, how can they do that? Yes, please reach out. Uh, you can connect me or find me on LinkedIn. Felicitas Lichtenberg, Felicitas with a Z. And super happy uh, to connect with more um, people, more listeners. And thank you again so much for having me, Tasha. I really enjoyed the conversation. And yeah, hope, hope we stay connected. Yeah, of course, definitely. <laughs> so I will put a link below the episode um, for your LinkedIn page. So if anyone wants to connect with you, they can definitely reach out and do that. Um, I apologize for now if you get flooded with messages, <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be you'll... my honor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, great. I mean, you are doing fantastic work. Appreciate you. And once again, thanks so much for speaking with me. Likewise, Natasha. You're much appreciated. Thank you so much. <laughs>